Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. You are listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Scold production. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Midweek Musings on Vikings First and Scold. It is Wednesday, August the 16th, 2023. The Vikings completed their first preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks last Thursday, and while the score might not be what we would have hoped for anyway, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that we got out of that game relatively injury-free, got to see some good things, and got to see some things that we need to work on, to say the least. Nick Mullins showed that he is unquestionably the team's backup quarterback going into the season. The dream of Jaron Hall overtaking him for that position is not on life support. It is dead. Nick Mullins looked good, 14 for 20, 139 yards and a touchdown. Did the best he could considering he was playing behind the Vikings' second string offensive line, which, as we all know, is one of the team's weaknesses on offense to begin with. Ty Chandler, 11 rushes for 41 yards, four receptions for 29, and his hands down locked up the number two running back position as of now. Nick Mullen showed you that, yeah, he can scramble a little bit when necessary, but ultimately there's a reason why he's a backup. He does not have the arm strength nor the accuracy of Kirk Cousins. But if I do dare say so, I think he had a little bit more pocket presence than Kirk typically does. But again, it's a preseason game, so we're not going to overreact or underreact on anything we see, both positively or negatively, in preseason games. As far as Ty Chandler goes, again, look solid, had the burst, hit the hole. And what I was most impressed about was the fact that in his blitz pickup and his pass pro, he absolutely stonewalled everybody. Not once did he get beat on a blocking assignment and provided a great outlet for Nick Mullins when he was under pressure, as that was quite often. While there is talk of possibly bringing in a veteran running back, which we'll touch on in a little bit, I feel very, very comfortable right now with Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler as our one-two punch. Jordan Addison showed why he was a first-round draft pick. The kid would be a number two wide receiver on at least half the teams in the NFL, and dare I say maybe even a number one on a few. Nothing overwhelming about the stat sheets because he had a brilliant toe-tapping Chris Carter-esque catch that was ruled incomplete regardless. He looked good. He looked the part. He's getting separation, running crisp routes, and frankly, on the one catch that he did have diving was ultimately a great effort because it was not a good ball by Nick Mullins. He might have actually scored a touchdown or at the very least gotten a few extra yards that he'd been able to have been hit in stride. Put Jordan Addison on ice. I don't want to see him in the Tennessee game. I don't want to see him in the Arizona game. Although I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Arizona game, being I'll be in attendance. But the point is, is that I've seen enough. The joint practices over the next couple of weeks with the Titans and the Cardinals will be enough to get him acclimated to where he needs to be by week one. Other standouts to the good side, Kyra Stanga appears to have locked up the nose tackle position. Again, he was picked up last season, middle of the year, by Quasi Dolphimensa off to the Chicago Bears practice squad. And... Questions last year were, hey, is this just another guy? Is this a rotational guy? Or could he be a starter on an NFL defense? Well, he's not Dexter Lawrence from the Giants or Aaron Donald from the Rams, but he is a solid player. Saw him collapse the pocket, saw him run stuff a little bit, tie up blockers and allow the rest of his teammates to be able to make tackles in the run play. I'm absolutely impressed with what I've seen thus far from Kyra Stanga, and I do believe he will be the starter of this team in the nose tackle position. 
Two other standouts. What do you say about Ivan Pace? I don't get how this guy got to be undrafted. I know, a little diminutive in size, but at the same time, this guy's nothing short of a heat-seeking missile. He is a rocket, and I am loving what I am seeing from this kid. Yes, his pass coverage does leave a lot to be desired at this point, and that's okay for an undrafted rookie free agent. He's not going to be a perfect fit. Otherwise, he would have got drafted in the first or second round. But my point is, is I am absolutely loving what I'm seeing from this kid. Runs into a guard just to allow his teammates to be able to make a play. I at times have to temper my enthusiasm because I don't want to go too overboard on the thing. But Ivan Pace Jr. absolutely is making this team, and he's absolutely going to be a contributor week one. Now, whether he's a starter over Brian Osmoa or Jordan Hicks, whatever, he's going to be on the field, and Brian Flores is going to know how to use him. And so far, we've seen that he's used him quite well. I mean, consider this. It's a preseason game. But Brian Flores and, to a certain extent, Kevin O'Connell trusted him to wear the green dot helmet. That's the helmet that takes the plays from the defensive coordinator and gives it out to all of his teammates. That is an incredible amount of responsibility. And the fact that they showed that they trust him enough to do that shows that this kid is well on his way. Luigi Valane is absolutely turning it up, and I do believe he is all but locked up a roster spot. Three quarterback hits, a strip sack, and showing he is going to be a solid pass rush rotational player at minimum. And I do believe he has an outside shot of becoming the third wheel a la Brian Robeson back in the day. I still like what I'm seeing from Patrick Jones, and I'm not discounting him at all yet, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm kind of out on DJ Wanham at this point. He's shown that he's just a guy. Nice rotational player, but he's a bubble player for me right now. I know some want to look at the stats from a couple years ago and see that he had almost 10, but a lot of those were... The rest of the defensive line was flushing the quarterback right to Wanham, or he was just kind of in the right place at the right time. Again, not to be disparaging, but I'm telling you right now, Luigi Villain is really putting DJ Wanham on notice. As for the not-so-good things, well, there's Ed Ingram and Ole Udo. Yes, I know. Ed Ingram was given a reprieve by Coach O'Connell in one of his press conferences where he said, well, the call was wrong and not everybody was on the same page. The fact that this guy is a starting lineman playing on the junior varsity preseason game number one with a bunch of scraps tells you all you need to know. This guy just doesn't have it right now. I know he's a second year player and he needs time to develop. And I will even give him the pass to say that he's been put in far sooner than what he was ready for by the fact that the Vikings don't really have much else to put in on the interior of the offensive line. I'm not saying he's garbage. I'm not saying he should be cut. Anybody who thinks that Ed Ingram should be cut at this point is out of their mind. But what I am saying is you need to get Dalton Reisner in here and you need to get him in here now. Whether he replaces Ezra Cleveland or Ed Ingram, he is a pass-protecting upgrade over both of those guys. Oliudo wasn't a whole lot better. I get it. He's our backup swing tackle, and hopefully he'll never be in the game. Hopefully Darisaw and O'Neal won't have any injuries. But didn't like what I saw from him, if I'm being honest. But it's only one preseason game. Jaron Hall? The dream of you being the number two quarterback to start the season is officially not on life support. It is officially dead. He looked like a rookie, and he's playing behind a third-string offensive line. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. Not all that impressive. I would have liked to have seen something from Jaron Hall, and we saw a whole lot of not much. Yes, a couple of nice first-down completions, and it was two out of the three times he actually had halfway decent pass protection. That third-down 14-yard gain, beautiful ball. Nice touch, perfect placement where only the receiver can get it. It was the receiver's ball or nobody's ball. But 
the amount of people that I'm seeing saying that Jaron Hall already should be cut and shouldn't be guaranteed a roster spot, give me a break. The Vikings haven't had a developmental quarterback in years, and we're going to throw him away after one bad preseason game? I'll remind people that in 1999, when Dante was the third-string quarterback behind Randall Cunningham and Jeff George, he looked terrible, too, behind the third-string offensive line. So let's cut this kid some slack. Yes, I would have hoped that he would have shown us a little bit more. And yes, he did have a little bit of the deer and headlights look on a couple of those plays where he got sacked back to back. But there weren't a whole lot of wide receivers open on those plays. And again, the offensive line did him absolutely no favors. The bigger concerns I have are one, Lewis Seen and two, Andrew Booth Jr. Now, I'm willing to give Lewis Seen a little bit more rope and a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. Too many people are already calling him a first round bust, already saying Quasi sucks at drafting because he traded down 20 spots to take a guy that's no good. Listen, our safety room is relatively deep right now. So the fact that Lewisine hasn't cracked it, while it's a touch disappointing for a first round pick, isn't the end of the world. He's coming off a horrific injury, and this is basically his rookie year all over again, take two. I'm not willing to say that Lewisine is a bust. That's preposterous. Yes, I want to see more. Hopefully we'll get some more time in with Lewisine. Andrew Booth Jr., that's a different conversation altogether. I said it earlier this summer when he got hurt during mini camps that I'm pretty much done with this guy. If you could trade him for a seventh round pick to just get out from underneath his salary, I would. And I'm rooting for the guy. I'm not saying this to be disparaging and I'm not trying to pile on. I'm just saying that he's got too much of an injury history and he has shown us absolutely nothing to warrant a roster spot anymore. I hope I'm wrong. I hope in the next two weeks during these joint practice sessions that he gets himself back into the conversations with the Makai Blackmans, the Akela Bevins, because I want this guy to succeed. I want this guy to produce for our team. At this point, my expectations are zero, and if we find any production out of him, it's what I call found money. Dalvin Cook signed with the New York Jets and is going to be taking handoffs from Aaron Rodgers, and the Jets are actually a legitimate AFC contender now. That division is absolutely stacked. You got the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You got the aforementioned Jets, and you also have the Dolphins. Who knows what the Patriots are going to be? But, Dalvin, we wish you well. We would cheer for you a little bit harder if you weren't taking handoffs from old Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, we wish you no ill will. Good luck to you. And the Vikings do receive a $2 million cap credit on the 2024 salary cap due to the $2 million offset language that Dalvin Cook was guaranteed. I don't understand what the Vikings are doing right now and why they haven't signed TJ Hawkinson. Yes, they revealed to us that TJ Hawkinson had an ear infection and that's throwing off his equilibrium. And that's absolutely no joke. But why they haven't extended him yet is beyond me. My prediction is that TJ Hawkinson will be extended prior to the start of week one. If you didn't have a chance to tune in on Monday, check out Purple and Gold for Days for my live episode called Skull for Days. And last night on my channel, we had YouTube sensation J.J. Vikes. Who is J.J. Vikings? Well, he is a 12-year-old kid out of Massachusetts who is a humongous Vikings fan. He joined me and my compatriot Dave from Minnesota Sports Talk, and we did over an hour interview with this brilliant and exciting young man who is taking YouTube by storm. And I got to tell you, This kid is far beyond his years. He is eloquent. He is loquacious. He knows what he's talking about and dropped absolute bombs on us last night. So again, check me out. Purple and gold for days. Last night's episode with JJ Vikings, the young YouTube superstar, is the Under the Lights episode. And the Monday episode is called Skull for Days. If you don't already subscribe to Purple and Gold for Days, please consider doing so and help me grow this community. As Dave always says, when one of us wins, we all win. 
And if you don't subscribe to Vikings First and Skull on the YouTube page, hit the subscribe button there so you get notifications about when this channel goes live, whether it's the Real Forno Show, 6 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays, Two Old Bloggers, which is 4 p.m. on Saturdays during the season, Sunday during the offseason, as well as the live post-game shows that will be at the two-minute warning of each and every Vikings game in the regular season. Thank you, Connie, for joining me. And as always, Skull, to the next episode. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.